Hello, everybody. Welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook. I'm your host, Willie. And with me is my... Uh, I don't know. What, what I'm trying to think of a good one for you. <laughs> my a little worried right now. Mysterious and... Uh, I'm trying to think of like a, like a vampiric quality. Like a... Um, what's a good... Not elusive. Although mm-hmm. lately these days maybe you're a little elusive. You probably don't like to... You know, you just say, you just say, suave debonair. Ooh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, we're not talking about the Langella one, Tim. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Chris, my very steamy co-host, Chris uh, Lee is he's he is a bit suave, but he's also a little bit monstrous at times too. Yeah, yeah. I think he leans more monstrous than than suave. I think some of these Hammer sequels, he gets a little more suave, right? There's a little more sexual stuff going on. A little bit, yeah. Okay. At least, yeah, it, yeah. The, the movies themselves definitely take a turn into the... Uh, to the Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. They get a little bit raunchier as we go, so... <laughs> yeah, I've definitely... I've, I've heard. Um, But anyway, Mr. Tim Long, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you? Yeah, well, now that I got through that ridiculous intro where I was trying to give you some sort of uh, title, I... Uh, I feel better. Um, yeah, no, things are good. Things are good. Uh, getting excited for our trip here. Uh, coming up not too far in the distant future, you and I will be journeying down. You and I and a, and a gaggle of of uh, friends and wives and significant others. And yeah, other, yeah, we'll be heading down to Cincinnati for Horror Hound Weekend. Yeah, this will be our second Horror Hound trip to Cincinnati. Yes. Yep. Yeah, the first one we did in Cincinnati as well, and that was, boy, 20, 2019? It would have been 2019. It would have been the year before things kind 2020. Of okay. yep. So it's been a few years. Um, it'll be nice. I think we've done a, we've done conventions since then. I've done a couple. You've done one. Um, and I think it felt good to kind of get back into the groove. A little uncomfortable, maybe, because I think that was uh, just as people were starting to maybe... Um, I think that you know, get vaccinated and maybe like things were starting to. Which one? Like, this was the. Um, this would have been uh, Motor City Nightmares. Oh, this would have been Nightmares. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was, do. We were kind of in and out of that one a little bit. Quicker. It was a right. little bit. Yeah. yeah. But but, um, I will say I'm going. I feel like I'm going to, hopefully, feel a lot more comfortable now than I did uh, back then. Even yeah. so, I'm 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 very much looking forward to it. Um. It, I was going to ask, is there anybody that you will be doing any sort of autograph or photograph or any they of that add? kind of stuff with? I just, I always, I always get curious, Tim, because I think that the, and even for you, and I know you're not, you're not a huge autograph, I'm photograph not. guy. I mean, you've, you've said as much and I get that. And, and, uh, my wife is also kind of the same way. And I, I guess I'm not huge, but I, I, I'm a little more apt to do it, I guess, than, than maybe some, um, yeah, is there anybody on this on this guest list that you? I mean, Ted Ramey will be there. That's got to be a yeah. A maybe I'll get bit, old Ted. Bit of a draw. Um, Ted's probably near the top of the list for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely got to be. It's got to be up there. Um, who would they just add? Who's my Who's my man from Mallrats? My man from Mallrats. Uh, what's uh, the big fella? I don't know. Didn't they just add him? Oh, DeCasco's going to be there. DeCasco's is going to be there. Yes. Um, gosh, I, I'm trying to think of Mallrats. Ruby Soho. Uh, Tom Jones Jr. Oh, Ethan Suppley? Ethan Suppley, thank yes. you. Absolutely. Ethan Suppley, yes, the, yes, yes. Yeah, the guy, oh, Wood Harris. Love Wood, Wood Harris. Harris. Yep. Love Wood Harris. Gary Pohn, I like his stuff. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the top of the list would be Ted. And then... For you, yeah, Ted seems like the right... Then right. Tony Todd. Okay. 
I mean, you've got all the you've got all the regular. I mean, you've got the good ones here. So there's some greats. Yeah, you know what? More than likely, I think. Oh no! You know what? Mm. I might bring my Halloween three poster and get Stacy Nelkin to sign it. Because you have Atkins. Signature. I have Atkins, and yes, I I, I love Stacy Nelkin in Halloween three. So could there you always, go. Could always get Dick Warlock too, because he's going to be there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick Warlock was like the lead robot. Yes. Silver Shamrock guy. <laughs> so, okay, there you go. It's Stacey Nelkin, then Ted Raby. Okay. Yeah, cool. And then the field. And the field. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely, Um, I mean, this, fan, just, I don't, I, I'm honestly mostly go to cons now for the, um, I mean, the, the guest list is obviously like, it, it gets you excited, certainly, for the yeah. convention. Um, But I go now for the, the cool stuff, like the, the handmade stuff and the stuff that you can only find from some of the really talented human beings that uh, devote themselves to the horror genre. So that's what I really go for. Um, but I am excited. I think I've got, you know, I, I this is tough because I would love to, and I, I talked to uh, my wife about this as well, like there's so many cool Scream guests that would be awesome to uh, get some sort of cool Scream poster yeah, and have them all sign it. But you'd also be spending like... Five hundred dollars worth of like, autographs to get yeah. them to sign it. So like, and I can't do that. Uh, like, so I told you, just go get a summer catch poster and get Lillard to sign that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you were saying. Or yeah. uh, Wing Commander. <laughs> get get a Wing Commander. Get uh, Jamie Kennedy to sign a Malibu's Most Malibu's Wanted. Malibu's Most Wanted, yeah. right? Or a Tremors Six, whatever one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cold Day in Hell. Hell yeah. Oh baby, I, li- I like those late era Tremors sequels. I'm I know. Not gonna I'm lie. Not a fan. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Um, but honestly, number one on my list as far as I, the one guy that I know, uh, I'm definitely going to get an autograph, and I, I would I would like a picture with. I think I want to do the whole the whole shebang. Is Keith David? Love Keith David. Mm-hmm. Huge fan of his work. Um, uh, love his stuff with Carpenter, The Thing, and They Live. Um, he's Goliath from Gargoyles, which rules. He's w- so funny, and there's something about Mary, like yep. phenomenally funny in that movie. Um, he's great in Platoon. He's one of the the standouts in Platoon. Um, I mean, he just—he's done so much cool stuff. Um, Pitch Black. He's—he's—he's he's, he's a veteran of the Riddick, the Riddick franchise. Yes, the, um, the Great Wars, the Great. Uh, and I forget he—he uh, he was in. Uh, what I is just, Riddick? What is he? He's a uh, Furion. The Furion Wars, yes. The Furion the Wars, baby. War um, <laughs> uh, Keith David was also—I uh, forgot—I always forget he was in the, uh, the Quick and the Dead, which is one of my favorite Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I need to rewatch that. I love that movie. Anyway. Big Keith David fan, so and I'm a big fan of his show. If you guys have anybody hasn't checked it out and you like uh, just ridiculous comedy, uh, there's a show on Hulu. It was one of those YouTube when YouTube switched to having a premium thing, like YouTube whatever it was, mm. YouTube Red or whatever it was. YouTube Red, yes. Uh, and like Cobra Kai, yeah, the Cobra Kai got it. So yeah. That's why I always remember. Um, yeah. They had another comedy called Champagne Ill, and okay. it's really funny, like really really funny. And it just recently got thrown on Hulu, and Keith David is plays a very important part in the show. That's so. the thing about the old streaming wars these days is there's so much stuff that like so much of it got uh, I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of really good stuff out there that just slipped through the cracks and I'm talking yeah. about mostly stuff on Quibi. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Although you know what I joke 
but I like the Raimi produced thing on Quibi. Okay. The 50 States of Fright. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. A lot of that was kind of fun. So. Never forget Quibi. I, I, will, I joke, but then I think about it. I go, oh, you know what? Maybe there is some decent stuff on Quibi. You were an early adopter of Quibi. Absolutely. Yeah, you, were. You, were, you were real pumped about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I was an early and late adopter because I went away <laughs> immediately. It just got sold to Roku, and the Roku threw it up. So sweet. The thing with Quibi is, though, I think the thing that worked about 50 States of Fright is a lot of the times it felt actually like they had made those things geared towards for, those quick bites, as they called see, it. See, and that, that works for me. What doesn't work is when you take something and break it up into chunks and then chunks. say, look, it's a mini show, oh, this or whatever is, they call them. This is a rant I have, I mean, uh, about some streaming shows in general nowadays. Is that I mean, they, that, on a macro level, they do that all the time, right? They feel like, a lot of them feel like, some of them feel like movies that have just been split up into 40-minute segments, or they feel like movie ideas that have been... Um, uh, that have been yeah built out into way too. Uh, I don't want to get ranty here. I want to tell you, uh, you reminded me. You, I, mean, I get it. You sparked my memory here. I got a haircut, as you can see from the last time. Yeah, it looks great. I got a haircut since we since we last saw each other too. How about Mine's that? a little We're less taking, noticeable. Yours the, is the spring's coming. We're taking care of ourselves. Well, that's the thing, right? If yeah. I'm gonna get a picture with Keith David, I got to look halfway. I'm never gonna look as good so. as Keith David. Yeah, but. I can't. I can't be looking like a. Like a schlub no. next to Stacy Nelkin. No, no. A <laughs> couple of the folks we're going with are doing uh, cosplay. I don't think I told you that. I'm telling you that for the first oh, time. Oh, excuse me. Who? Uh, uh, Gojo, friend of the show. Yes. And uh, Gojo's uh, uh, lady friend, Madeline. Um, they will be dressing lady, up. Lady friend. I like lady that. friend. <laughs> yeah, well, it's more sophisticated. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Just sounds, uh, what, yeah. I girlfriend know, I sounds like, like you're in yeah. high school or like maybe college. Yeah. Um, you know, lady friend, like like they, yeah, for like sure, they're sophisticated couple. <laughs> no, that's um, I. That's why I like. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, they will be doing uh, cosplay. So uh, they have. Uh, funny enough, through playing uh, Resident Evil Two, the board game. Okay. With us, we sometimes we have board game nights with them where okay. we just sit down. I didn't know there was a Resident Evil 2 board game. I have it. Yeah, it's yeah. back there on the shelf. It's pretty sweet. Um, and it plays just like the game. Like, you have to, like... Right next to Keeping It Saxy. What is Keeping It Saxy? That's the Kenny G board game. <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah. All right, we're going to do a bonus episode. Uh, we're going to record a bonus episode after this for Super Fight. We're going to break out. We're going to look at Keeping It Saxy as Oh, it well. rules. <laughs> it rules, dude. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Um, you'd be surprised what they make. I got a Footloose board game, too. FYI. Like, Footloose the board game is up there. Where do you find these? Everywhere. Okay. I just keep my eyes peeled. No, Nikki's really good at finding sweet board games. I would imagine. She's yeah. got a weird, like, uh, she got me this Shining board game, too, which I haven't broken We need yet. to figure out a way to, well, maybe I'll get a camera or something. Sometimes we need to do, like, a, we need to do a special board game, like, stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think somebody, uh, I want to say, and, I, and, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that um, John Morrell has, uh, of the Midwest Podcast Network, has... Uh, suggested doing some sort of live stream or or recorded video of like a playthrough of a board game. I think right, that he's mentioned right. that before. It would be fun to do. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'd well, be we fun to do. do it. We could play some keeping and it sexy. Sorry, I interrupted you. So they're no, cosplaying no, no. as Resident Evil Two characters. So okay, so so uh, they played Resident Evil Two the board game. Uh, Gojo has played most of the Resident Evil games, not all of them, but most of them. He kind of became a fan, kind of through me ish. I'm not going to take full credit, but he he knew about Resident Evil before me, but like he kind of started to get into it through me. And I think it was this, you were the same way. Like, you played some. It's not like you never played them, but, like, you kind of got more into it um, Yeah, from, through me and you talking about it. And so Madeline was playing the game, and she was like, man, this is really cool. Like, I want to play the, the video game, you know, that it's based on. And so uh, Gojo and Madeline have played through 
Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. They skipped 6 because it sucks. 7 and Village. <laughs> uh, since we played this game, which was really? honestly only a few months back. They really they knocked it out. They got re- like knee deep in this franchise, and um, so they are going to be dressing up as Resident Evil characters. Okay, which is pretty sweet. No, are you going to uh, tell me who, which characters? I will if you'd like. Yes. Um, yeah, don't don't surprise me. So I, I don't the, like surprises. I actually have, and I I mean I have the the listeners can't see these, which is which is you know I don't want to give everything away, you know. But I'm going to show you pictures. I've got the cosplay pictures here. Okay. Uh, they're not completely finished yet. I think Gojo's might be finished, but Madeline's still working on hers. Uh, this is going to be Gojo's. Okay. He is Hunk from <laughs> Resident Evil 2. <laughs> okay, that seems right. And uh, you've been playing Village recently. Right. Uh, Madeline is Donna Beneviento <laughs> with the creepy doll. <laughs> oh, the one that... Yes. I, the little I, that, that's actually my favorite boss fight. It rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's, But she's making her the doll. Okay. It's, it's pretty sweet looking so far, like... Very good work. So I'm excited. It'll be fun to like. It, Gojo did mention me though. He goes, "I'm gonna need you guys to like gui- help guide us around because we can't see." <laughs> I'm like, you might want to take off the mask. So funny. So um, I love. It. I'm, so, I'm very excited. Uh, I I want to apologize to on air. I think he was trying to maybe coerce me into into doing some cosplay, and I just I don't know. I'm just not. I I I, I love the idea of it. I just can't commit. I'm too lazy. Yeah, I get up. And I worry about being uncomfortable. Physically. That's the thing is like yeah. I get, well, I get like I get like not even claustrophobic. I get like kind of like anxiety like that. So if I'm dressed up in in something like that and I'm Maybe in a sweating. group of people, yeah, well, just around being people I know, it makes me uncomfortable and it almost makes me so self-conscious oh, that like yeah. I don't enjoy why yeah, I'm there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Cuz like people if I'm in a costume, people are looking at me. And you don't like to be And I don't like to be You don't want to be the center of attention. I do yeah, not yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So um so yeah. yeah I like to be fair. I like to be fair. hidden behind a microphone. At all times. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, and I'm with you. No, I, I I think it's awesome. I love cosplay. I think it's super cool. And yeah. I, I'm very psyched. I mean, I'm excited that a couple of us are going to be dressing up for the occasion. So, so I yeah. went and so I went. I go to I go to Great Clips to get uh, my hair where, cut. Great Clips on. Uh, it's over on it's over on Woodward now. Yeah, that's where I go. You go to Great Clips. Yeah, you and I just got. So when when did you go? Do you when remember? did I go? Yeah, when did you go? Um, so <laughs> this was on a Friday. Okay. I would have been. I would have been a, last Friday. Yeah, we must have like two ships passing in the night. Did you was, was yeah. what time did you go? Was this when it was like snowing and stuff out too? I think it was. <laughs> so, okay, I'm gonna tell you my story about how uncomfortable I was in this great clips. There were, were there I like, dropped Josie off at like like nine, and then went right to Gla- so great you clips. went in the morning. Yeah, I went later in the day. Okay, then. okay. were there two wow. women working there? Yes. Okay, so what happened is I get up there and I've uh, nobody's up there. Because it's snowing, it's kind of nasty out, and so I sit, I sit down with the woman, and she's, I don't, I've talked about my like kind of my my social awkwardness and my social like kind of like anxiety when people talk to me. <laughs> like I guarantee it's you, we had the same person, and she likes to talk. Yeah, and no. oh no, I think you may have had the other person. So because oh. she, she didn't talk to me, this one did not talk to me at first, and I was enjoying it, and then all okay. of a sudden she she got bored. I think because what happened is I went on my lunch, and okay. she. She took for like this was like her masterpiece. It was my ah. haircut. I think she was new there. I think okay, this was sure. new for her, and it took her so long. Okay, and I think she got bored of me not talking because this is part of the reason I don't get haircuts is because I do not like talking to just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You're much more talking. Oh no, I'm chatty. I, you like, are very chatty. Sometimes I think I annoy 
the person cutting my hair because I'm bringing up a bunch of conversation topics. <laughs> so yeah, we had the reverse problem. So I'm sitting there and she's talking, and then the woman behind me, who I'm guessing cut your hair, uh, was she blonde? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The same woman. She's on her phone and she's kind of staring at us the whole time. And finally, some other customers come in. But one of the customers like sits down and you, they're like regulars. I think is what I gather by the end of this. And I swear they just start like loudly arguing about vaccinations. Oh no! As loud as possible. Me. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sitting there. I don't. I'm uncomfortable to begin with. And like I'm sitting there here, like as these two people are just kind of like. Like, you, it's like and I'm not, look. Okay, hold on. It's like, I'm not going to try and crap on Great Clips. I go there to get my no, hair cut. yeah. But Great Clips is the kind of place you go. You pay a r- pretty small fee. Yeah, you're in and you're out. This, you can't go into ex- expecting some sort of like design. Like, I, you, like you're not getting anything crazy. Right. You're getting a trim. Yeah. You're getting. Uh, this some, is like that oil change place down the street it's from the you. Twenty minute oil change. The ten minute <laughs> in and out. Change. Don't try to upsell me. Nope. If you do try to upsell me, I know I need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, right. so they're screaming at each other, and this woman oh, is, no. is like thirty or forty minutes into this haircut that usually takes like five minutes at most. Because I'm like, give me a number two and just cut it up top. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not fussy about my hair. And then the woman, the woman behind me, she's the woman who cuts her hair. And she just screams out, "As far as I know, I'm the only person in this place vaccinated." <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I just no. They're like, oh god, she's like now she's just like angry with the person cutting my hair oh, because no. she doesn't agree with her. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and the woman is gone, completely quiet, cutting my hair, but she's still doing it. And she finally goes like, "Do you want? Uh, do you want me to put product in your hair?" And I'm like, "Hell no! Get me out of here right, as soon now. as possible." That's funny. So it's not funny, but so I get, uh, yeah, I get, I wow. get, and I pay, and uh. I uh, I Not, sulk out of there as like more people come in. There's like this dude sitting down for his next haircut, and I can tell like he's like, man, I kind of don't want to be. Here. Yeah, maybe I should just get up and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yikes! Okay, my experience. I'm dude. I was in wild times. Like, at the I break. was in out in ten, baby. I was done. <laughs> That's what she was. She got like yeah. She was going through people over there. Oh so. yeah, she annihilated. I mean, I, I've had her before. She's and I, it looks all right, right? Yeah, yeah she's she's bad. quite good. She knows what she's she doing. Knocks it out, dude. Yeah. Um, and this new person. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I hope I don't get her again. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I had a fun one. So I went to um, the party store uh, to, to actually to get the Coors Banquet for this evening when we were recording. Yeah. And um, I'm standing in line. And there was a guy standing in front of me. And he did that awkward thing where, like, the, the the cashier walked up and he did that awkward thing where he's like, "You go ahead, man. I'm waiting for this guy down here." And he's pointing to another cashier. I'm like, "All right." So like, I walked up, get rung up, and a lady that works there came, had come in from outside. I think she might have been on like a smoke break or something. She came in, and so the guy goes up to her, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, wasn't he waiting for this other guy? Like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and she's like, "How you doing, sweetie?" And he goes, "Oh, not great. I just I just got COVID last week." And I'm like. <laughs> Why are you here? Are you still in the window? (laughs) Yeah, like I wanted to like turn and be like, "Yo, how long, my dude?" (laughs) When last week? Are we talking early last week? Are we talking late last week? (laughs) And this was like a couple days ago, so I'm thinking like, "Man, was this like three days ago, dude?" Like I don't, I don't know that I I like this. And it's fun, but it's funny because the guy bringing me up, you know, I was I was got my bag and I was walking out, and I like we kind of looked at each other like, like, uh oh. Wild times we live in. <laughs> Crazy, man. It's like the Wild West. 
Um, hey, <laughs> oh, we had some feedback, right? We, now, we talked about our feedback. horror stories of the. Yes, yes. So you got a little, a little real horror on a uh, horror movie yearbook this evening. Um, yeah. So, if you want to send us feedback, you are encouraged to do so. Uh, horror movie yearbook at gmail dot com. We're on Twitter at HM Yearbook. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, follow us, like us, do all the stuff that you can do to, uh, to uh, I don't know, take care of your boys here. Right. I guess. Um, John Street, friend of the show, actually been on the show before. Yeah, uh, guest of the show. Guest of the show, yes. yes. Not just friend, guest of the show. Um, uh, replied to our uh, custom horror-themed pizzas uh, that we talked about uh, on our last episode for House of the Devil, which is a movie that... Uses pizza very, very effectively. Uh, yeah, very effectively. I would say so. Yes. Um, go back and listen if you haven't. We talk all about it. Um, but John Street had an idea for an attack of the killer tomatoes pizza. Mm-hmm. Seems like an obvious choice. Very, very, very strong. I mean, tomatoes pizza, right? It's, it's fantastic. But how do you make it a true attack of the killer tomatoes pizza? Uh, Tell me. I, I think he has the answer. Uh, <laughs> so you do a tomato basil pizza crust. So you got your tomato in the crust, baked into that crust. Okay. Which is good. You need that extra hit of tomato for, like, these are killer tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah, you can't just you can't just throw a little tomato on there, like, bake it on top. you got to go, this is a killer yeah, tomato. You've got to bombard this thing. Absolutely. Tomatoes. Right, right. And if I remember right in the films, the killer tomato movies, these tomatoes are running rampant, man. They're everywhere. They're, they're coming after George Clooney in one of them, they? are. They? And they're big, man. <laughs> they're big. Um, heavy garlic tomato sauce. Absolutely. That's the killer part is that heavy garlic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sliced fresh mozzarella, love it, love it. Those like beautiful mozzarella circles, those big circles. Yeah, those are good. Yep. Uh, more garlic tomato sauce on top of the the sliced circles. I mean, yeah, we need tomatoes. Large tomato slices. So more tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you top it off with some grape or cherry tomatoes on top of that. <laughs> Here's the thing. And then he said it's the heartburn that's the real killer. <laughs> yeah, was, and I, I don't I like tomatoes remember. at all. Um, but. Yeah. If you like tomatoes, I think that's You'd your go-to. You'd be into go-to. it. That's your go-to, for You'd sure. You'd be into it. Yeah. Yep. I think the only way you could get more tomatoes if you like the tomato was the crust. Somehow you could you bake just a put tomato. It on a, yeah, yeah, you put it on a... Just throw cheese on a tomato. What is... They, someone... There is like some sort of... Oh, of course. Yeah. People are maniacs, dude. <laughs> pizza... I love that people get experimental with pizza. Like, I, mm-hmm. I love it, love it. Like, I will try them. I have tried them. I enjoy them. Um, I had a barbecue shrimp pizza that was like fantastic. Yeah. Um, I've yeah, had, you told me about that. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a BLT pizza which I really liked. Um, barbecue chicken pizza is a popular one. Yeah, I like I like these experience taco pizza, all that stuff. But let's be honest here, most of those aren't pizzas. Just because you put something on a crust, in a circle or a square, it doesn't make it a pizza. Let's just be honest with with ourselves. It's okay right. to like those. Those aren't pizzas. All right. This is a pizza that he's <laughs> suggesting. This is a. This seems like a pizza. Hey, real quick, uh, I got this uh, soundboard real quick. Yeah. Um, say say thank you uh, to John Street one more time, but I'll see if I. John, thank you for the pizza submission, sir. Whoops. Okay, I didn't know which one. There we go. Excellent. Now there's the applause. I hit Beautiful. the horn jazz first. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's called a horn jazz. I believe it's supposed to be a jazz horn. From now on, let's just hit the horn jazz. <laughs> uh, we can't hear it, by the way. No, we can't. It's in my headphones. I'm okay. sure. I'm sure it works. I'm sure it's I'm good. Sure, I'm sure it's great. Um, you'll have to let us know. <laughs> uh, one more little uh, thing from John Street. Actually, um, he made sure to uh, 
today, actually, to tag us yeah, what in was this? a retweet. Uh, Lance Henriksen <laughs> is uh, tweeted um, always, an hour always ago good, always a good sentence. And said, yeah. we'll be making an announcement very soon about purchasing some of my pottery. Stay tuned. So you can pur- purchase, I guess. He's, he's like a pottery maker, right? Original, yes. Original Lance Henriksen pottery. What is, uh, okay. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Would uh, you would you purchase some Lance Henriksen? Uh, uh, I mean, I would. I, don't, I would. I, I appreciate that he's doing it. Yeah. I like the idea, and I applaud him for doing it because I think it, it's it's good. I think it's good to like have a hobby you can Absolutely. do with your hands too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It keeps you. Yeah. Seth Rogen is like big into pottery too. I follow Seth Rogen on one of he's the big social, into pot too. Yes, he's big into pot. And but pottery kind of seems like a kind of like a stoner thing, right? Yeah. I'll, you know what? Yeah. I I have somebody. I have somebody in my life who's who is very much like. I mean, the stuff that this person makes is yeah. like incredible. Um, and I should ask him. I don't know if he if he if he to, if he tokes. Okay. Do I know this person? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no. I mean, you know of the person. You do not personally. Okay. Know the <laughs> anyway, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't know if Lance, Lance might smoke too. I don't know. Uh, oh, Lance smokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I'm pretty uh, sure. So it do, it does seem like something that goes hand in hand. So I I encourage Lance yeah. to continue, but yeah. it's one of those things where, like, me personally, I don't have. I don't have an appreciation for pottery yet. Maybe I'll develop it sure. uh, as I smoke more pot. Sure. But <laughs> I, you know, I think I, I would, you know, obviously, I mean, if, if, if it was affordable to me, that's an important, but let's just pretend it is. I think I would purchase some Lance Henriksen pottery. And do you know why? Because I think that this table here needs uh, some sort of candy right. dish or something cool mm-hmm. in the center so that when we're down here recording or I have folks down here for maybe like a, like a pro wrestling night down here, mm-hmm. I can have a cool dish out with uh, treats, treats for, for the crew. But, you know, I can make sure to let everybody know, like, hey, that's that's a Lance original. <laughs> you know? You think that's what... I think he would appreciate that. I think he would. using that for... Yeah, why to not? To watch pro wrestling. Why not? <laughs> to Absolutely. Put, to put, what would you put in there? Oh, my. A variety, an assortment of candies, for sure. Wrapped? Yes. Okay, yeah, I think you'd have I'd to. I'd go be. wrapped. Yeah. Yeah, we're down here in the basement. I would keep them wrapped up anyway, just because, I mean, you know, it's Michigan basement. Yeah. There's moisture in the air. <laughs> Got a turtle swimming over here. <laughs> hey, when's your neighbor going to get the old snowblower? <laughs> God, that's psycho. Yeah, that was that was live on the show. Good gravy. <laughs> that madman. Um, I, I don't think he listens. Um, Yeah. So, uh, Lance, I would buy some Lance stuff. Thank you, John, once again, for the... Um, for the notification that Lance is going to be making his pottery available to consumers. Uh, Tim, I think that's it for feedback. Yeah, um, let's do a couple of quick plugs real quick, course. and then we'll finally get into let's, our movie. Yes. Eh, whatever. <laughs> it's a ha- it, it's a great movie, but we'll get we'll talk about it when we yeah, get to it. We don't we got nowhere to be. We're no right now. We're, <laughs> we're, we're we're, no yeah, where are you guys gotta go? Nowhere. No, nowhere. you stick no. with you're stuck with us. Yes, you are. <laughs> you have, there's nothing else for you to listen to out there. Yeah, there's no other podcast. Um there is one other podcast, the Midwest Game Nerds. Ah. They tease something very interesting in our Discord today. Alex did, and I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't have any further information, but I will say keep an eye on it because something special is coming up with the Midwest Game Nerds. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a so, big, yeah. So yeah, it seems it's it's an exciting prospect for them. Um, let's just leave it at that, I guess. I mean, it's I think it's 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 something that I think, in my opinion, and, and they deserve it, uh, is is legitimizing the game nerds in a way that I don't even know that they fully. Were expected. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, it's 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 cool. It's exciting. 
and uh, I'm sure they'll be they'll share it with you guys when they're ready for it. But it's it's cool. And so. I, t- I talked to Alex yesterday, and he uh, just bought a Sega Saturn. So. Alex is is such a goofball, man. <laughs> I love that guy. Like he, he wanted a Sega Saturn. He, he bought a Sega dude, Saturn. He's just he's he's like Alex isn't a dreamer. Alex is a Alex he's is a doer. A, is a realizer. Yeah. Like, he like a, he he looks at his dreams. He's a doer. Yeah. He looks at those the things he wants. and He goes, you know, what? I'm gonna make that happen. <laughs> I believe that's what he told me too. Is basically like, you know what? I want a Sega Saturn. I never had. A, so I'm gonna go get a Sega Saturn. It's sweet. That, <laughs> Sweet. And that, folks, is a lesson, which is yes, don't don't chase your dreams, achieve your dreams. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, no question. Just go for it. I want to. Um, good for him. I never had a Sega Saturn. I dropped off a I Sega was... after the Genesis slash thirty two. The thirty two X was the last straw for me with with, with Sega. Okay, because my dad bought a thirty two X for Christmas for me. And the 32X, like in theory, was a really great idea because it was like it would just extend the life of your Genesis. Right. You just plug you just plug it in like some weird like odd shaped tumorous growth on the play, <laughs> on the Sega Genesis, <laughs> and 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 it would it would you could play 32 bit games or whatever. I played Doom on my Genesis. Like what? Uh, the problem was nobody made games for it. Yeah, there's like three. There's like thirty games for the 32x. So uh, yeah, Ale- I was talking to Alex about this too, but obviously it wasn't on the podcast. So I'll say it here. But he was he was telling me about how like you guys would just go into like the game store or whatever it was called. Bally's was it Bally's? What it called or yeah, 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 Bally- like the rental store. Or just like the set, like where they sold games. And oh stuff. yeah, yeah, you could go uh, Funko Land. Funko Funko Land was uh, like the one. Was, yeah, ba- Babbage's. Yeah. So where I was uh, up in Northern Michigan. <laughs> We didn't have those things. Yeah. You had to drive like a pretty far away. Like I had Walmart. Yeah. I had Walmart, I had Kmart. And so I was telling you, like the Sega Saturn was this thing that it like apparently existed, but I had never seen one before in my life. Okay. Because I would I would see like it, they would have advertisements in like comic books and like Marvel comics at the time for Sega Saturn and I would sit there and go, What is this what is this magical creation? <laughs> Your white whale. <laughs> yeah, what is I've never got Sega Saturn. That's Saturn, that's in outer space. Like what what are we dealing with here? I've got a regular Sega Genesis. Genesis is that's like the first book in the Bible. We, like, we now we're on the Saturn. Now we're on the Saturn. What's Damn. happening here? So I Amazing. was talking about that. Like I'm like I I, I kind of want to see this someday, Alex. I want to see this thing in person because I don't think I've actually ever seen a Sega Saturn in the wild. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them. It I, not often. Um, another one is the Jaguar. If you can find mm. a Jaguar, that's uh, that I was in a lot name. of comic book advertisements back when it came out too. Yeah, yeah. Except the claw marks, Jaguar. I don't know. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I jumped off a of Sega. Uh, I didn't ever mess with Dreamcast. I had a feeling something was up with that. It just didn't seem right to me. I was right. Um, the cool, th- the coolest thing about Dreamcast was the Royal Rumble game. You could have like five or six people in the ring at a time, which and, is like unprecedented. Yeah, like yeah. in the other ones, you could only have four. Yeah, can we get a good wrestling game again? That'd be nice. Yeah, don't get me started. I, I'll believe this AEW game when I see it. I don't tell you that much. I'm not convinced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like watching the gifts from the last uh, WWE 2K game, where it just like they're glitches so sweet. out. Like I know they're so sweet. Like legs are like flying <laughs> through the audience, and it's so rad. Anyway, okay, let's move uh, on. One more plug for me. Yes, uh, check out uh, Patreon, and then next week I liked this one. Last week the uh, honor roll episode I did, I went, oh that sucked, but <laughs> but I put it out there. This one I reviewed. I did haikus for all of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels. Excellent. I Excellent. talked about a, a new trashy H.P. Lovecraft movie, and I watched um, 
couple of fun ones. I have three movies I like this week and put on my honor roll. So check that out. It's on Patreon now, patreon.com backslash Midwest Podnet, and it'll be on the main feed next week. So there we go. I think Excellent. That's, let's talk about a horror of Dracula. Are you ready? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Dracula or the horror of Dracula, right? Yeah, Dracula. They renamed it. I was very confused, Tim. Uh, that, well, I was they, so worried. They were. Uh, that's part of why they renamed it was yeah. to help uh, help uh, statesmen, Americans like us, because they didn't want people to get confused with the Bela Lugosi Dracula, okay. which was. So what happened with the Bela Lugosi Dracula around this time was that it was in heavy like there was a package called Shock Theater on TV because TV was kind of like this new big thing, and it would show the old Universal classics and Dracula was like. Was featured on that around the same time, so they renamed this horror of Dracula in the United States, so people didn't get confused. Which is fine. Which is fine. Uh, they didn't realize, obviously, that it would be confusing now. Right. It probably made things much less confusing back then, um, but it's confusing now because I know I just I knew that there were like nine of these Christopher Lee Hammer movies, and they all have, and I had no idea what the first one was, and so I'm like searching around for Dracula. And I'm getting nothing, and it's funny. I was, it was watching me bumble through Amazon Prime to rent this thing was pretty fun. <laughs> well, you just rent multiple Christopher Lee Draculas. No, I think th- I almost accidentally rented like two separate ones. <laughs> you got to be careful with a couple of them. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, yes, Horror uh, of Dracula from 1958. Yes. All right. Do we get a time machine sound? Uh, hit me with it. Oh man. Do no 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 no. What was that? What was that based? On? What was that inspired by? Okay, <laughs> felt right. The um, the Dracula theme in this is, is kind of supposed to sound like you're saying Dracula, like the sim- syllables of Dracula. Oh, sick! <laughs> that should have been the time machine sound. I, I like my surf music better. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chris really a big surfer. Probably is. That guy's a renaissance. Yeah, he is very much. I mean, yes. Very much a Renaissance man. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do the time machine a little bit different this week. Okay. I am going to get us caught up. We're in 1958. All right. I'm going to get us caught up on kind of the history of Hammer Studios leading into this movie. Please do. Uh, this is a, I, I think I mentioned on the previous, this is a blind spot for me, so I'm very excited to... So, yeah, yeah we're going to lead up right here to 1958 when Dracula, or Horror of Dracula, was released. There are three people we got to talk about when we talk about the formative years of Hammer, Hammer Studios. William Hines, who was like a comedian, who was a businessman. He was also a renaissance man as well, but he owned a number of like seaside theaters. And his success in theater led him to registering his own company, Hammer Productions Limited, which took its name from a district in West London called Hammersmith. Um, next up is Enrique Carreras. He was a Spanish immigrant and former cinema owner who Hines met around the time that Hammer completed its first film, The Public Life of Henry the Ninth, which was a 60-minute comedy. Uh, the two men formed a film distribution company called Exclusive Films, where Hammer produced a handful of movies for uh, for exclusive films. The one movie was actually it actually starred Bela Lugosi in it. It wasn't. I don't. I don't believe it was a horror movie. It's called The Mystery of Mary Celeste. I, that's cool. Bella took a lot of. <laughs> Bella needed money, <laughs> so Bella would take a lot of, uh, a lot of parts basically, Bella. And, and not not all of them were big parts. So, in the third person is Robert Lipper. He was an American film producer. Hammer heard de- actually declared bankruptcy early on and stopped making features in the late 1930s, only a year or two after they had started. So, Heinz went to fight in World War II, but exclusive 
in a limited capacity, continued to distribute throughout the 40s, distribute films, until the war, until after the war ended and Hammer was reborn in 1945. It was then that Exclusive signed a five-year contract with Robert Lippert Productions. Uh, Lippert was a producer of action films, but it also gave Hammer and Exclusive access to fading but still popular American B-movie, or American movie stars, and most importantly, an appeal outside of Britain, um, even if they were B-movies. All right, so those are the three like main players in the early days. Now we're going to get into the prime years of Hammer Horror because we're there. 1954 is where we've got to start with the Quatermass Experiment. The Quatermass Experiment is Hammer's first stab at horror. It's more of a science fiction horror movie as those were kind of in vogue at the time, if you remember, like the 1950s sci-fi horror was like the big thing. Yeah. Um, it was based on a BBC television serial written by Nigel Neal. Nile, Nigel Neal, you may remember, is the screenwriter of Halloween 3. A Carpenter was a yes. big fan of the yeah the Quatermass series and Neal's work, so he brought him on board. And um, It did not turn out the best. No, that, that, that situation was not great. <laughs> no. um, yeah. but I believe uh, Carpenter, I mean, certainly was, was a fan, regardless of how Halloween 3 worked out. Um, I think he wrote Prince of Darkness under a... Under a pen name of Quatermass. Right, right. Alan yes. Quatermass? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there was any will, ill will between the two no, of them. No, I just think it was a good collaboration. It wasn't yeah. a good, and I believe by that time, Nigel Neal was very bitter with a lot of things, and that comes across in Halloween 3 big time. Yeah. Uh, but the Quatermass experiment was a success for Hammer, and it directly led to Hammer making The Curse of Frankenstein, which we do have to talk about a little bit, because it's an incredibly important film, not just for Hammer, but for horror movies as a whole. So that came out in 19. 19- 57 and where we were in 1957 were the universal monster flicks and the legends that started them have been kind of out of sight for a while um we're past that classic era plus past the monster rallies of the 40s bella lugosi actually passed away in 1956 yeah the the year before curse of frankenstein was released but there are a couple of important important things at play here with uh curse of frankenstein that kind of account for why it was such a success one of them were the horror movies that were being made around the time we talked about the science fiction horror. It came from outer space. Them, the Howard Hawks, Hawks, uh, the thing from another world. If we're talking universal, the creature from the black lagoon and in its own way, Frankenstein is kind of a, you could make the case that it's kind of a science fiction horror movie. Yeah. It it skirts the line, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Because of course it's getting, it's kind of a mad scientist movie as well. So if we're going to pick a classic monster to release along those kinds of movies, Curse of Frankenstein, Frankenstein is probably the Frankenstein's monster is probably a good one to pick. The second, and we talked about a little bit, actually occurs later in the year 1957 in October, and that kind of exemplifies the growing appetite for the classic monsters, and that is that shock theater. Shock theater is a package of 52 classic universal horror movies released for television. Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Wolfman, all of those classics were included with this package, and it was a huge hit, and it boosted ratings in like key television markets like New York, L.A., all of the all of the big markets, it, it killed in the ratings, and it directly led to things like Famous Monsters of Filmland, which came out in 1958, and also renewed interest in a lot of those horror icons and those big classic monsters. Lugosi actually, it's kind of a shame that he passed away the year before because it gained him a lot of fans. After, after the he, fact, he yeah. actually, yeah, he actually became more popular in some ways, kind of like a cult figure. It's funny because I, I for whatever reason. You know, I see that Lugosi passed in fifty. Was it fifty six? Yes. And like, I go like, man, did he die young? 
And then I look and I'm like, no, he's like a 73. He was, he he was, was born in like 1882. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> oh, it's insane. I don't know. And it he just put blows his, my mind. And he put his body through a lot too, Bela Lugosi. So yeah, and by by the end of it, it, it yeah, the final years of Bela Lugosi are kind of sad yeah. when you read about them. Um, but the rebirth and popularity kind of makes sense when you think about it because kids that grew up on these monsters were now revisiting them as adults and maybe even looking for more adult versions of those characters that they loved and that's where i think the hammer reimaginings enter and why they why they led why they became so popular but the curse of frankenstein led directly into the movie we're talking about today the horror of dracula and also the money hound of Baster, baskervilles and a series of sequels to those films in the next decade or so so that's where we're at now in 1958 with the horror of dracula kind of interesting that uh that you know we're talking about a movie from 1958 that was uh in a lot of ways created as to scratch that nostalgia itch. Right. Isn't that crazy? Like, cause we're, I mean, we're living through that right now, big time, big time. We have been for the last decade or so, like, and I think it's even more so now than it was, like, with the advent of streaming, I think it's becoming even more prevalent than ever, where it's like anything that has an existing uh, brand or IP or anything that has a nostalgic quality to it, people are jumping on and making new content, whether it's a right. revival of a show or we're, we're kind of not doing the remake thing as much. We're doing the Lega sequel thing, I think, has taken the the the, the place of the remake, um, including the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie is a yeah. Lega sequel. Um, but, uh, man, it's funny. It's just like it's this is what we're what we're doing. Like, I, you know, you see a lot of people kind of talking about in, in, in the film conversation about how so much of what's out there in movies and, and television are uh, oftentimes it seems like just kind of pandering to a nostalgic crowd for something. And that yeah. might be the case, but I think to act like this is something that is new is... I Disingenuous, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I yeah. Think it's just, yeah, I just I think it's more obvious now maybe. I think there's um, more of it, and there's just more content. That that's kind of the other thing too. Is there? That's what you, there's more of that, it. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of funny as we go back because yeah, we're talking about all the streaming age and stuff, but this is kind of around the advent of television. Yes, and what's playing into that is old movies and that people have yes. a connection to from when they were young, and, and they're, we're hitting the first that we're in terms of film. We're now hitting the first. Real, like, legitimately, the first time period where people can be nostalgic for film, right? I mean, really, like, you know what I mean? This is the first. This is, I think, the fifties are the first decade where people can feel nostalgic about a film that they saw when they were a kid. Yeah, you know what I mean? That that didn't. That wasn't a thing before, really. Um, And you've also, I'm sure, you've got plenty of like. Kind of, I'm sure there are plenty of the 1950s kind of ironic hipstery type people, like kind of laughing at a little bit how goofy at some points Bella Lugosi's sure, Dracula sure, performance is and how campy it is. So of course, so yeah, there's an element of that too. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it it's always interesting to look back and go, man, it, that, when people say that things, there's these waves of things coming and going, and this kind of uh, um, history repeating itself in certain in certain ways. It's totally true. Um, yeah totally yeah all right so i have seen this movie before um a couple times now i think actually 
You this is is this your first time watching this one? It is. So as a new viewer, and you're familiar with Hammer Horror, what did you think of this movie as a first time watcher? Yeah, so I I went in with like <clears throat> I honestly went in with zero expectations because when I say Hammer is a blind spot for me, I, I mean it never since the world. I don't know the history of the company. I don't know. I had no idea how many uh, Hammer Dracula movies there were with Christopher Lee in them. I knew there were uh, more than one. Um, I don't know what Hammer's vibe is. I don't. I don't. I. I it, it is a full blind spot for me, and um, I think that was good because. It's rare now going into anything without any sort of notion of what it's going to be. It just, it, it's hard uh, this day and age. So it was really fun for me to do that. And I always value these movies because we don't talk about a lot of, generally when we talk about a movie, at least one of the two of us has seen it. Right. Um, not all the time, but generally. And uh, this was fun because I, it's been a little while since we've talked about a movie I feel like that I haven't seen. Um, and I remember I, this one kind of takes me back to when we talked about uh, The Abominable Dr. Fibes, which is a different movie entirely. Um, but I remember watching it and just going, man, I like for a movie that is like an older movie, like I feel so refreshed by that because it just it's new to me. And a lot of the time I forget what it feels like and the thrill that you feel. And it's, it's this distinctive... God, it's... I, anybody out there listening, I think, knows what I'm talking about. But there's this thrill, not when you discover something necessarily. Like when you're like, oh, I'm the first person in my group of people to like see this. Now I can suggest it. Like th- That's exciting. There's a thrill when you, it's the first time you are seeing something and it opens up kind of a new branch of entertainment for you. Movies, whatever it is, music, books. That There's a, there's a thrill and excitement about that, a discovery, right? And I got that with this movie. And I do, th- I mean, like, I mean, I think the movie is, it's brisk, it's, um... It's in and out in like eighty minutes, maybe less. It's it's brisk and it's definitely a uh, a Cliff's Notes version of of the um, uh, Bram Stoker novel. So you you've read the novel, yes, correct? Yes, okay. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it for the first time a couple of years ago. Sure. So and, and I like it. Um, you know, obviously it's an old it's an old book. Um, there's elements where you go some of the language and stuff. I remember being a little bit bogged down by certainly. Um, it's it's a story that you have to. It's not an easy read at all times. Um, I think it's a worthwhile read. Oh, I, I I've never certainly didn't think it was a waste of time. I think it's a very important text uh, in literature and certainly in horror. Um, and I think for its time, it was really kind of genius. I think it was really this this gothic kind of romantic um, uh, horror story. And uh, but this takes that and it kind of it it. it it remixes Stoker's story. Um, it, and I think it mostly does it for the better because this is a film that they or a story they wanted to tell in an hour and twenty some minutes. That book is not an hour and twenty minute movie. It's not. Yeah. It's not, some some books I think you can boil them down to into uh you know like a, 
a 90 minute movie and, and make things everything hit all those big notes I think Dracula is not one that you can do that with. I don't think it's doable. And I think uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, from Coppola is certainly, I think, the most faithful adaptation that I've seen when it comes to the book, the original text. But I think it's almost too faithful sometimes. And I think that makes that film kind of boring at times or kind of... I don't know. It feels like it's checking boxes. This movie is just like I want to. We're we're taking that story and we're telling a, a, a cool. We're we're gonna make a movie, uh, and I think it works largely because of that. I think Christopher Lee's performance is fun. Uh, he's not in this movie a lot. I was actually surprised by how yeah. little he's actually in it and how much he's mostly just hissing <laughs> at people. He's not. There's like very little dialogue, like Christopher Lee dialogue. Like, like I think outside that, uh, of the opening, what ten minutes? Like, IMDb, the trivia has got it at sixteen lines in the entire movie. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, I'm I, and I'm not. That's not even a knock. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's Christopher Lee, and I guess when you think of Christopher Lee now, you're like you want to hear him talk. So I mean, I guess that's kind of a a criticism. If I have to lob any criticism at it, but it's almost unfair because. He was Christopher Lee wasn't Christopher Lee back then, right? Like he wasn't. No, this is I, Peter Cushing was probably the uh, bigger star. The bigger star. Christopher Lee had done. Christopher Lee had done a lot of bit parts. He was he was also in the war as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. World War Two, and he had done a lot of bit parts. And then his his kind of big break was in the Curse of Frankenstein as Frankenstein's yes. monster the year before. Yeah. And that led him, and he only got that job because he was tall, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah. Um. But uh, so uh, you know. I hope he has more to do in the following, in the subsequent Hammer Dracula movies that he he stars in. Um, I will say this: I am uh, I I really enjoyed it overall. Um, I don't. I have a feeling it's not the best that Hammer has to offer. I think that this is a nice prototype for what I what I expect these future Hammer movies that I will be watching. Uh, to give me I had a lot of fun with it I think it's one of the better probably one of the better adaptations of Dracula that I've seen um Cushing rules Peter Cushing rules I think he might be my new favorite Van Helsing okay I think he might be I mean Hugh Jackman's a tough act to follow (laughs) (laughs) Um, to follow yeah um imagine yeah he might be my favorite Van Helsing I'm trying to think I'd have to think about that uh Hopkins is really good in, in Coppola's movie, yeah, but guy Cushing rules. In this. We might have to throw Coppola's movie on on the list to do sometime, yeah, because I it's I, a fascinating. Film. Yeah, I need to, but I, we should space it out probably for this. But I, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, I would like to watch that one. So yeah, me too. Yeah, um, so Cushing rules. I think the supporting cast is great. Michael goes great. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I think like I didn't love it, but I loved what it did for me in terms of making me feel that feeling of discovery and I am excited now to remove that blind spot from my horror uh, knowledge and watch more of these Hammer films and I think that that is as big a praise as I can give it is like this has made me interested in watching the rest as many of them as possible um, the problem is they're not free on any stream they used to yeah you've got that's what i'm bummed about is i don't want to rent all of them remember them around keep an eye out 
around Halloween time, those October times, because I found a ton of them on HBO Max and Peacock as well. Peacock right. had them up for free, a lot of them okay. uh, uh, as well. So keep an eye out because they had it on the free tier too, I think, on Peacock because they have that ad tier. Yep. So keep an eye out because that's when a lot of your streaming services now put those older classic horror movies up. So Okay, that's good to know because yeah. I, I, like, I was scrolling through and I'm like, man, I hope there's some Hammer stuff on Amazon Prime. Not that I don't like. It's not that I mind, but like, Hammer's catalog is ridiculous. Even yeah, and, like, so I, I, like it's like four bucks a movie, and I'm like, <laughs> that's gonna add up quick. Like, man, oh man, I don't know. I watched this one again, and and I know what you're saying because as I was going through, because I've got a list of the sequels, we'll talk a little bit about later. But there are still a couple I have not seen of the Dracula series, and I'm like, man, I need to fill those in, and then I'm like. Oh, God. Three bucks. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? But because I, I was looking all over to see if like maybe Peacock threw them up. It makes but. you miss the two for one section at Family exactly. Video, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it's so cool, cool. So you you enjoyed your time? I did. I very much did. Castle yeah, Dracula. You know, I I think uh, if you're like me and you've got a hammer blind spot, give this a shot, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, and I think you might be interested in kind of I don't I don't know dipping your instead of dipping your toes and maybe maybe taking the dive, you know. Yeah. No, and part of the reason, because you, you asked me, and I, I, I kind of picked this one on the spot, I think this is a good early example of what Hammer would become later on, and it's cool. a good mix of, and it's a good it's a good entry point, because it doesn't throw you, I actually kind of, I think you might have fun with some of the Dracula sequels a little bit more later, because they do get a little trashier, good. and they do get a little bit, and they even they even get a little bit more violent as they go along, and I think some of the Frankenstein sequels are also kind of fun, and there's, there's some good Hammer horror stuff out there, but I picked this one because it is kind of a good template of that and a good early example, and I think a good entry point for that. Um, and it doesn't throw you, yeah, like right in the deep end like some of the other like stuff. Like Dracula 1972? Because there is that, there is kind of that, there's, there is sex, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of sex that uh, Hammer is known for, but it's more about the tension between like Victorian era values and sex in this one, and it's also, it's also about the uh, what Dracula does to these ladies <laughs> as well, and there's a little bit of violence. This is this was one of the more violent movies ever released at the time, so there is that as well, especially when it comes to big. But but that that violent that sex and violence that Hammer kind of uh, became a little bit known for towards towards the end of its run is there, but it's not as pronounced as it would become later. So. Cool. Okay, let's do. Let's just go through some characters real yeah, quick. We talked please. a little bit about Christopher Lee, as you mentioned. He as Count Dracula. He doesn't have a lot to say in this movie. No, no, he's menacing. Yeah, and I think the the big one to compare him to at the time would be Lugosi, and he's a different Dracula than Lugosi. Would he you? Is. Would you say um, Christopher Lee was a big fan of the Stoker novel, and he always tried to work references in throughout his Dracula. Would you say he's closer to the book? Then yeah, go see. Yeah, like, I yeah, I, he yeah. he is. Yeah, I don't especially think especially early in the film. Right, he becomes a bit. He just kind of becomes a monster towards the end, and there is that element certainly in the Stoker novel. It's not like that's not like Dracula is a monster. He's considered a universal monster for a reason, right? right. Like he is a monster, but Dracula is also a man, and also um, he. He's not like Frankenstein's monster or the Wolfman or the creature from the Black Lagoon in the sense that there the animalistic side of him is always under some level of control by a humanist humanistic side of him as well. 
he's thinking and he's plotting and he's got um, a scheme. And most other monsters that you think about don't have a scheme. They're they're uh, agents of chaos, right? In a way, um, in in one way or another. So, I guess Frankenstein's monster kind of schemes. It, it that depends on which version you're you're talking about. But um, Dracula is a is a is a monster, but also uh, a manipulator and a, a seducer. And uh, I think that Lee does is able to capture those elements. I think it's because he's, he's a fine actor. Um, I prefer Lee's over Lugosi's mostly, I'll be honest. I, I love I love Who is your favorite Dracula? Do you think now that my you, favorite Dracula? Yeah. Oh, sorry to man, put you on the spot, oh, man, but I am oh, curious now that we've talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, my fa- I, I have a favorite vampire performance. I okay. don't I don't know that I have a favorite Dracula performance. Um okay. Dominic Purcell in Blade Three. <laughs> okay. Obviously. No, uh, I don't know what my favorite... I mean, Gary Oldman's really great in that Coppola movie, but is it my favorite Dracula? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it is. Um, I'd have to think on that, man. Leslie Nielsen. In Dead and Loving It? Yeah, that's, there you go. That's the answer. <laughs> so, Yep, that's it. Uh, I do need to watch the line. I, I, I think the answer is, honestly, I think the answer is Langella, Frank Langella. But I haven't yeah. seen the movie yet. You just you just like him as Dracula. But he's Frank you should, you should watch that movie. Maybe we'll, throw that, maybe we'll just start throwing in Dracula movies because I would like to watch that one too because that yep. one also has... I like that movie, but I know a lot of people do not. Yeah, I'm 100% going to watch it. Yeah. yeah, I've heard it's very steamy. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of half-button shirt Langella. Very much so, yes. It's like it was made for me. Um, yeah, so no, I think Christopher Lee is great. Um... I am, and I mentioned it before, I'm anticipating getting some more uh, material, hopefully, whether it's good or bad, I don't care, getting some more material for Christopher Lee to cut it, like, chew on a little bit in the in the following movies, and you, I guess you could tell me whether or not that's the case. You've seen some of them. Quite a few of them, yeah, yeah, and he does, he does, he does get more to do in some of them, but it's weird. Lee has a strange relationship with the character where he actually... He didn't love be playing the character, and I think a lot of it stems from kind of Lugosi um, and what how he kind of what he, what happened to him late in his career, where he became he became synonymous with um, with Dracula, and it was tough for him to get other parts, and Lee didn't want that to happen. To I know him. he was worried about being typecast, typecast, but he kept making these because he was a decent guy. It sounds like, and like he knew that they were like him being a part of these productions was going to make like give people work. He was the selling point to yeah. to American audience after after the first movie. He was he was that Dracula at the time. So there's a story and I think you've touched on a little bit there there's a story he has told about how he went to and I think this kind of sums up his performance as Dracula. He went to a New York showing of the movie. And of horror Dracula? Yes, okay. of this movie. And when he first shows up, the audience laughed at him. And I think of a lot of it kind of, it's a very theatrical entrance, but it's also kind of, Lugosi's Dracula is very campy. And yeah, audience yeah. familiar audiences familiar with that version kind of may, I can see how they would get a chuckle. But as the movie went on, he said, people people became silent and a little bit scared by him. Because he is, he is much more menacing. But that's kind of how I always envisioned Dracula. Not vampires, sure. but Dracula. Like that character, that specific. He should be inviting and he should kind of there should be an awkward charm about him right i mean this is a guy who's living in his castle 99.9% of the time and secluded and alone and 
he's going to be a little socially awkward and make you a little uncomfortable and and I don't know. There's going to be a goofiness to him. Right. And a disarming quality to him. And what I think is cool about yeah. Dracula as a character he's is He's a man that, that wears a cape, too. Yeah, he's very a cape. which is <laughs> Being a count alone is funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but no, I think like I think he's the, been a count again. Yeah. Really, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Jeez, I forgot. Cushing and uh, Lee were both involved in that franchise. Um. Uh, he. What I think is cool about that, about the disarming quality, that is then of course replaced by this kind of horror and fear is that you don't know how much of it is premeditated when it comes to the Dracula. Like, because he is a manipulator and he is kind of a, a schemer, uh, you wonder how much of that disarming is an act and how much is actually just, like, the fact that he's he's a weirdo. Like, he's been alive for... Like, you would be kind of weird. Right. right. Yeah. So... Okay, let's move on then we uh, to Peter Cushing as Dr. Van Helsing. You mentioned you, you loved him yeah, he's great. in this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first scene we see him, he's ordering a brandy, which is absolutely what what Dr. Van Helsing and Peter Cushing would be drinking. Yeah, I, I like him quite a bit in this movie, too. He's in a few of the sequels as well. I like Peter Cushing. And he was kind of the star at the time of this release. He, a lot of those... Hammer Horror movies, and especially some of the Dracula series, were built around these two actors, and it's kind of, they are kind of important. So you, you're a big fan of Peter Cushing as Dr. Van Helsing. You think he's your favorite? Oh, I think so. He rules. Uh, I think he's great. I think he's absolutely, he just, um, Cushing's got a presence on screen that, it's one of those intangible things, like, when, when as soon as he's on screen, you're like, who is this guy? Right. Um, yeah, there's like almost like an authority, like a class to him. There too. is, yeah. there is. He commands the room, um, and that's why he's so great as as Tarkin, which I think is his probably most well known role. Honestly, is yeah, is Grand Moff Tarkin in the in the original Star Wars? Um, he commands a room, and he. Uh, what I like about his Van Helsing is he is what I've always kind of envisioned Van Helsing as, having read that book. He is. He is one part scholar, and one part mercenary. He's both. He's very Indiana Jones in a way. Yeah, which I like. Um, but he's very focused on vampires, as opposed to maybe like just like I gotta find the next cool treasure. Um, this thing does get kind of uh, kind of swashbuckly though, especially towards the end. It does. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it's not like a full on action movie, but there are some adventure close, elements towards mm-hmm. the end. Yes, and he he pulls that off. I think. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, and, and I like um <clears throat> what I like about his Van Helsing is he you can get you get the feeling that he genuinely cares about. These characters, he cares about what happens to Mina. He cares about what happened to Jonathan Harker. He cares about the plight of the people that Dracula is um, is killing, reanimating, whatever. But he's also a man of science, and he knows how to turn off that emotional attachment and that level when the time comes to it, when he has to get the job done. Right. Like, he's... He's just a cool character, and Cushing does him justice. That's the most important thing. So, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't have a ton of extra. Ideas. So let's move on to John Van Eisen as Jonathan Harker. Jonathan Harker. He's never been my favorite favorite character. He's always been a bit of a dweeb. <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah. the yeah, he's the wet blanket of the <laughs> of the heroes in in Dracula. No, 
Yeah, real quick on Jonathan, though, what I like about this movie, and I think you talked about it a little bit too earlier, though, is it, it kind of sets it up as similar to the novel where he's writing his mm-hmm. diary and stuff. The memoirs. And yeah. then it kind of pulls the rug out from under you. The first 20 minutes of this movie, I think it's a very clever screenplay and a very clever, clever trick, almost almost like a scream. If you're familiar with the psycho. novel, yeah. Yeah, where, uh, yeah, it sets it up as like, oh, this guy's going to be your main character. Oh, wait, no, he's not. Like, he's out of the movie, and we've got Van Helsing here. He's the main character, actually. I think that's really cool. I think it's interesting, and I think that was a very smart way to, to die, you know, to cut back on some, trim the fat off of the, the story of Dracula. Because Harker's a very important character in that first act, basically, because he sets up Dracula and, 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 and what he is and what he's aiming for. But after that, he's really not. He's kind of just... He always kind of feels like a sixth wheel to me. Like, yeah. He's like, not that he's the dweeb. Um, Van Helsing and, and the other suitors are way cooler in, in, the, in the book than Harker. Um, I also like the kind of reveal slash element they throw in here of Harker, um, I guess, being like an agent of Van Helsing. Like... Oh yeah, he knows. He that, goes into it like knowing what that's a cool little Dracula wrinkle is. as well. Like yeah, he's not just there because he's gonna kill him. What's his deal? He's there to like catalog his books in the novel. What's uh, yeah? Well, I think in the original novel he's there to he's there to like yeah like do some sort of he's like, like a bookkeeper library yeah. like librarian <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've never or, really understood it honestly. Yeah. Uh, to, to be, but in this movie, he like from the get go, he's like, I I'm on to this guy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he knows what's up, and he like I think he's planning on offing Dracula. Like he's like, yeah. I, I gotta stop him, uh, and he fails. You know, I mean, and I think that's cool too. I like that idea that he's some sort of protege of Van Helsing, um, which is which is it's just a, a cool twist on it. It's a spin. I like that. Michael Gow and as Arthur Holmwood and Melissa Stibling as Mina. What? Uh, so a couple things real quick on Michael Gow. Is it Gow? Go. Go. I, I always say go, go but go. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's weird seeing so seeing him young. I grew up. Yeah, I grew up with him as Alfred from Batman. I watched him a billion times in the first two Batman. Well, and oh, I guess he's in the first four, right? Yeah. So I watched him a billion times in those. Four He's, he is Alfred for me still. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I love Michael Caine. Yeah. Um. Uh, Jeremy Irons was pretty good, actually. Um. Yep. I'm sure Circus is going to be good in this new one. Right. But like, I think Alfred's always going to be That's, Michael Gow for me, or Michael Go for me. Yeah, like always. Period. He reminded me of the TV show in some ways. He reminded me of the yep. comics in some ways, the cartoon, but. <laughs> it's like when you like see pictures of your parents as young people or in a video and you see them like dancing and moving and you're like oh my god they're they like before i existed they had a life yeah like michael gow had sex <laughs> yes, yes. Right. yes but but i don't know if he did because uh his lady in this one seems to be way more into dracula yeah she does and <laughs> yeah this is, okay this is where things get a little muddy for me because this is where we remix because jonathan harker's taken out of the picture so early we remix some characters here. Right. So instead of Mina being the love interest of Harker, Lucy is the love interest of Harker, right, in this? Right. And Mina is now the wife of now Lucy's aunt. Arthur, yes, and Lucy's aunt. Which is different and than Dr- the book. Dracula, Dracula gets us up both. Yeah, well, that's Dracula style, baby. <laughs> He's very Gabriel Byrne in uh, yes. in uh, uh, End of Days. <laughs> Just 
<laughs> exactly. He likes everybody in the family. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, Michael Guy was great. Um, I think he's very good in this. Uh, I think he works as kind of an in between, where he's an ev- he's kind of a just a regular Joe who's thrust into this crazy world that Van Helsing lives in day to day. Yeah. He's forced to come to grips with what Dracula is, what Van Helsing is, and what he has to do to save his family, protect his wife, save his wife. Because uh, you didn't bring her up yet, but like Lucy, we could just talk about her. We'll Lucy talk about dies all early. Three of them. Yeah, too. Like she's she's. I mean, and she is really the fitting the Mina character from the book. I think is what she. Yeah. I see. I get all mixed up here. Mina in the book is the love interest of Jonathan Harker. In this one, it's Lucy. So, if I'm mixing that up, I apologize. There's a lot going on um, with with those character names. But um, she she gets killed as well, which is uh, an area where we kind of deviate from from the book and from the source material, and and uh, like you said, almost kind of like pull the rug out from under people who might be familiar with the story, which I really think is cool. That's one thing that, that uh, an adaptation can do that I think is worthwhile without upsetting your audience. If you can find cool ways to kind of surprise them uh, while keeping the spirit of the uh, the source material alive, I think that's that's worthwhile. Um, just a real quick, yeah. I wanted to look it up while you were, yeah, just yeah, yeah. to verify please, for yes, you. So you're right. Um, she is engaged to Jonathan Harker in the novel. She's best friends with Lucy Westerner. They're best friends. Yes, yes they're best friends. Yes. And the, yep. So they switch it to where she is now. Lucy is killed in the novel. She's turned into a vampire. Um, about halfway through the novel, I think. And Mina, I believe, survives till the end. I believe that she's, yeah. she's because she's kind of the maybe a reincarnation of Dracula's bride or something. Right, like right. He's kind of in love with her. And they hinted that in this when he picks up the photo. Um, he wants to see the photo of Harker's uh, fiance or, or white or whatever. And uh, they kind of hint that they're going that direction and then they, they don't. Um, but when it comes to all these characters, I mean, Michael goes the stand up, but like the, the, you know, Lucy and Mina, uh, Lucy's kind of, uh, she, I don't know. She doesn't do a lot. She's kind of damsel and distressy, and she's and she is killed relatively early. Uh, her her when when Van Helsing has to stake her, it's pretty brutal though. Yeah, and I that's the stuff I like yeah. about Van Helsing too. Is he's yeah. he's very pragmatic about he it. Too. He's like he's like we're not going to save her. No, we we've got to and make sure she's dead. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. like he understands like up to a certain point. Like he cares, and he he he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he's there to save people and help people first and foremost. But the second that the line is crossed past the point of no, he's like, no, we gotta kill him. Like, there's no, there's no. She's not who she was. No, there's no yeah. hesitation. Yeah, and that's like that's where the scientist comes into play, right? Yep. Yeah, and I love that. Um, that sequence is pretty pretty intense, actually, and I can see why this movie was considered so violent. Like back when it was released, like, whoa, like he's staking her and she's like screaming. And that like, and the Dracula death at the end, which I think was edited out in some versions. I don't, I'm not for okay. sure, the, but it, the one that we watched, the prime was one, very cool. Yeah. It's yeah, really cool. Really and cool. also, yeah, a little bit intense. I would have, yeah. for, for a movie of that, that time. Yeah. For that yeah. time. Jeez. Yeah. He's like, turn it to dust. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I don't have a ton to say about the rest of the characters. I'll be honest I, about yeah. those characters. Um, I mean, they all serve their roles. I'm happy to see that uh, that uh, Mina survives as well. That was cool. I like the idea of the blood transfusion, and I think that's a neat 
right. neat concept and, and and it works for me. I think you have to have somebody make it out, right? Yeah. Somebody get, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of death in this movie, but yeah. I think these three though are where the interesting kind of sexual stuff comes into play. Sure. I mean, yeah. the, the the stuff with Dracula and Lucy. I mean, I, she's 19 years old in this movie. Um, yeah. He he essentially she becomes a woman after one night with him. Is as how we see it. Is is she like that's kind of her birth into womanhood. <laughs> is when he throws his cape up and yeah. there's there's there there's a loss of virginity kind of uh, I guess allegory or or metaphor going on there. Right. There is a there's a rape a bit of a rape metaphor going on right. there. Um, there is, yeah, it's it is interesting. I mean, but vampires have always had that have always had that kind of that quality, right? Yes, they've yeah. always been kind of sexual. And um, Mina's the other one in this, and it's cut out in I think the Prime version, and oh. I think it's in one of the. But there is, or I didn't catch it this time at least. But in one of the versions of it, like you can tell. When she's with Dracula, she's enjoying it. And her direction, the actress's direction oh. from the director, like, the next morning when you see her is, like, act like you just had the best sex of your life. Oh. <laughs> like, the night before. So, that's I how she's think playing there's it. a ton of that in this. Not the yeah. version I watched. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the one when she re-enters um, and you kind of see her, like, that's when you see, like, oh, she's she, she, she Very Dracula. satisfied. Yeah, sat- <laughs> satisfied in a way that Michael Gow cannot <laughs> do so. Well, I mean, it's Christopher Lee. Look at the guy. I mean. <laughs> um... Yeah, so, okay, yeah, I don't have any more. I Just yeah. real quick here, I wanted to mention Terrence Fisher and Jimmy Sanks. Sure. Here. Terrence Fisher directed 29 Hammer film productions, and yeah. he directed The Revenge, the Curse of Frankenstein, Hour of Dracula, The Revenge of Frankenstein, How to Baskervilles, and The Mummy, just a ton of them. So he's incredibly important. He directed this one. And also, Jimmy Sangster, who was the writer, he kind of set the template for these uh, universal remakes that they did with this one. Curse of Frankenstein and The Mummy. He would also direct the horror of Frankenstein in 1970, which was kind of, I, I believe this is the one that was supposed to be kind of a reboot of the Frankenstein series too. So he, those two are incredibly important when it comes to talking about hammer horror and horror in general. So, all right. Excellent. I'm going to give you a quick run through of these sequels. And I'm just going to yes, let you, yes, you maybe, maybe what you could do is make mental notes or even, uh, Audible notes. Uh, which ones do you want to... Uh, which Are ones you going sound? through in order of the release? Yes. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you. So the next one up after this is The Brides of Dracula, and it's about a school teacher arriving in Transylvania and in the sights of Baron Meester. There is no Dracula in this. Chris Lee is not in this. Okay. And I have seen this one. His presence is... Is Cushing in this? Yeah. Excellent. Oh, wait. I'm in. Wait, is Peter Cushing in this If one? Cushing's in it, I'm in. Yeah, I believe he's um, in this. And if I... he's not, I'm kind of... You know, now, see now. Now you're testing my. Memory. No, it's okay. I, Which I, one I, is I, this? I'm brides not, of Dracula, right? The brides, yes, the brides. Of Dracula. I want to make sure he's in this. Cause, yeah, if Cushing's in it, I'm. I, I'm it's I'm like in. a smaller role. He is in this one. David Peel, though, is uh, Baron Meester, who's kind of the stand-in for Dracula, and he is no Christopher Lee. But I think uh, okay. where you might like this one is kind of messy. I do like it. It's probably Hammer's best-looking movie that I've oh, seen I, at least. God, I, this uh, I want to say. Horror Dracula is a good-looking movie. Yes, like yep. man, oh man, that's the, the copy on uh, <laughs> good gravy. The copy on on Prime. I don't know what uh, remastering or version of this that like physical release wise this was, but it's good really God. Does it look all good. of like, their? Yeah, it's I'm, beautiful. Uh, the sets are beautiful. Yeah. The the lighting is beautiful. The costume designs be like every like this is top notch. Like it's not Hollywood filmmaking, but this is top notch classic filmmaking and 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 like to see like 
a lot of the time watching movies, I'll be honest, a lot of the time watching movies um, remastered, uh, I appreciate the upgrade in, in, in picture quality. There's an obvious, I mean, you get rid of some of the, the graininess and some of the the um, the less refined elements, but like, I don't often with remastered movies go like, wow, that felt like a different movie. It happens yeah. on occasion, but with this, I, I was like, I can't believe this movie is from 1958. Yes. Like, it looks so good. It looks like a decade, maybe two decades later than, and that's a compliment, like a huge compliment. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, I'm really mad at myself for forgetting to mention that, but that's another thing they're known for is kind of that technicolor. They were, like, Curse of Frankenstein was, yeah, one of the first, the first um, kind of color movie, color horror movie, and not color movie, color horror movie. There had been sequences before, like there's a sequence in... um, Phantom of the Opera, one of the fan, early Phantom of the Opera movies where like there's uh, the staircase sequence and so, but they are known for kind of their their bright kind of vibrant colors and that's where that blood comes into play too. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that color of blood and the, I'm glad you mentioned the sets too because the set designer whose name is escaping me right now, but he was a part of the reason they're so successful because they filmed them at Bray Studios is what it was called. Okay. And they reused a lot of sets, and if you can see the sets throughout the films, like a lot of these sets, you can tell are in Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah, and which that is, saved them a hey, bunch of money. Whatever. Yep. Um, next up, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. This is Lee's return to the series. This is a good one. Uh, four travelers show up to House Dracula. Dracula's assistant resurrects him. He's a very gory bloodletting scene. This is like the one of the goriest. Okay. Moments in- hey, you got me. <laughs> yes. I'm in. Cushing. Uh, this one I do also believe. Back? No, this. Oh, you know what though? This one does not have Van Helsing in it, but it's got Father Sandor, who had his own comic strip after this. Sick. Yeah, he's he's sweet. He's not Peter Cushing. I will grant you that, but he's he's really cool. Okay. So this is a good one. It's got Chris Lee back as well. Um, okay, so now it gets spotty after the first three for me, so I cannot tell you. That's Dr- fine. Uh, Dracula has risen from the grave. I have not seen this one. This is the one you mentioned a little earlier. Ham- Hammer needed Dracula at this point, especially Christopher Lee, and they begged him to come back, and he did not want to. But they basically told him, like, hey, everybody's going to lose their job. They guilted him into this by telling him, like, everybody's going to. so sad. Yeah. This one is, uh, from what I gather, this is one of the hornier ones tons of cleavage hell yeah it's bloodier and gorier it Sweet. looked like it might be kind of kind of cool but it's kind of funny as as dracula series kind of mirror or hammer went to as they they went with the with the blood and gore uh taste the blood of dracula is next so this would be number five hammer was cranking these out at this point they were big money makers especially in the u.s the original they originally wanted a movie with a new actor for dracula but the money but the people with the money said, no, 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 no. We want Chris Lee back. This one I have seen, actually. It's very randy, very uh, very horny. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, I'm noticing a trend. Yeah, this is, one of the, this is one of those, this is like the new blood type of, like it's one of those late sequels that I kind of like in a late yeah. sequel yeah, way. Yeah, I gotcha. Where there's not a ton memorable like about it, but I kind of like it. Uh, Scars of Dracula. Uh, remember how I said they were cranking her up? This one was released the same year. Oh, my. Yeah, it was a double feature with Horror of Frankenstein, which, I, yeah, I talked about was another attempt. I don't think I have... Uh, I have not seen this one, honestly. Okay. Uh, but this is uh, this is the time when Hammer lost their U.S. distributor, distributor in Warner Brothers. So this is where we're getting into the downfall of Hammer. Uh, Dracula AD 1972. I have seen this one. This is the modern-day Dracula. Lee hated bringing him into modern times. There's a... You got to watch this one actually. 
because oh yeah no I yeah this is this one has a sweet opening fight scene between Van Helsing and Dracula. Is Cushing in this too? yeah Cushing's in this and he plays he plays Van Helsing's descendant later in 1972. <laughs> um, I like this one. It's it's incredibly campy and silly. This one's a lot of fun. Okay. The next one is the we have two more here. The Satanic Rites of Dracula. I've also seen this one and it sucks. Um, this is like. It's got a cool premise. It's like a spy movie with Dracula in it. Dracula's a Bond villain in this, basically. This sounds sweet, but it's boring as okay. hell. I can um, see that, though. And uh, he would have a better uh, Bond villain performance as an actual Bond villain, yeah. Christopher Lee. Yeah. So um, the problem with like kind of both of the movies is they, they started to feel less and less like Hammer Horror. Um, and the last one, the last horror, Hammer Horror, no Christopher Lee in it. No, um, oh yeah, this one does have Van Helsing. This is, I have not seen this one. I really want to. This is The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. So this was released around the same time as the- Is Cushing in this thing? Cushing is in this thing. My God. This was released around the same time, like, kind of, uh, Kung Fu movies were kind of blowing up. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I have not seen this one. This was a, there there seems to be, like, an action scene with Peter Cushing doing- Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, this, this was not released in the U.S. right away. It kind of oh, I'll be watching fina- this. <laughs> financially, I have not seen this. So there you go. Wow. Um, Amazing. We talked. Uh, Christopher Lee also did some a couple of non-Hammer vampire or Dracula movies, by the way. Yeah, I've not seen these. Which is insane. Yeah, but he did. Um, so. <laughs> so yeah, as we get into the '60s, uh, just a real quick rack, wrap up Hammer. The cracks begin to show in the Hammer films. A lot of historians point to the failure of Phantom of the Opera in 1962 that the first time um, as it was failing. But the sequels sequels got a little bit spotty as well. The other thing that we mentioned a little bit, Bray Studios and the set designer Bernard Robinson and his U.S. Uh, his reuse of sets. He when he when he kind of went away and they moved out of Bray Studios, they got away from that. Basically, Hammer got too big for their britches in a lot of ways. Um, they were making or trying to make too many films that were either not successful or didn't get made. For example, a lot of people point to there was a movie called Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, which was supposed to be a co-production with Toho, who did, of course, the uh, the Godzilla movies. Yeah, and it was supposed to be a big monster movie, but a lot of the investors pulled out after the nineteen seventy six version of King Kong failed, and that's kind of pointed to as kind of the death blow for Hammer Horror. But it wasn't just that. Horror was changing as well, and Hammer tried to keep up with the times with more explicit sex and violence, as you can kind of see as the um, Dracula movies go on. But once stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre hit, like, what are you going to do with Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's just audiences had changing tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, so weirdly enough, they had kind of become old-fashioned like the Universal Monsters, in a sense. Hammer's final production was a remake of Alfred Hitchcock's A Lady Vanishes, starring Elliot Gould and Sybil Shepard, and it was not well-received. They would return in 2008, the brand name would, and they've released some, I think, some decent pl- flicks. Uh, Let Me In, The Woman in Black. Yep. Uh, the Lodge just came out a couple years ago, so yeah. Let me in. I liked a lot, yeah. maybe even more than Let the Right One In, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think I like it better. Um, and actually, One in Black, I like quite a bit too. So, and I think those movies do a decent job of kind of capturing that Gothic Victorian era, like all that kind of yeah. That, that and that's Hammer the important sense. thing is yep. that Hammer as a as a as a as a film company had a vibe. Um, yeah, and. As long as you're, whatever you're putting under the banner has, fits that kind of 
that general vibe i think i think it's great i think keep it up um there's not a lot of film companies i think that have that blumhouse is the most recent i can think of that their movies all tend to have a certain you can tell it's a blumhouse movie yeah yeah. The vibe, so and I think uh, so. I'll, I'll. This is a. Uh, it's a Scorsese quote, actually. And a lot of the information I pulled is from a couple of different. Is Scorsese books. a Hammer fan? Yeah. Excellent. So, so excellent. Um, but this is from. There's a really, and I think you can watch it on YouTube. It's called the Studio That Drip Blood Hammer Horror. But it says, in my early teens, I I went with groups of friends to go and see certain films. If we saw the logo of Hammer Films, we knew it was going to be a very special special picture, a surprising experience usually, and shocking. And I bring that up. Because Hammer belongs with like the Universal Monster movies, like those MGM musicals. And honestly, I think you could, Marty might not like this, you could throw in the Marvel Studios movies too. Like when you go to a Hammer movie, when you go to one of these types of movies, these studios, there's a certain thing you're expecting. And yes, there's a certain yes. thing you're going to get. And those best movies delivered that experience. And he talks yes. about it like when he was a kid too. Um, going and knowing kind of what you're going to get and what you're looking for, and I think Hammer is kind of one of those one of those flashpoints in movie history where you knew what a studio was going to put out. There's something to be said for um, either a film series or a a film company or whatever that that delivers that that you you kind of know what you're going to get going into it. There's a reason why it's comfort food, right? right? Um, not everybody likes that that kind of comfort food necessarily, but um, it's comfort food for the people who like it, and that's that's why I I don't I try not to crap on like the superhero stuff that's coming out right now because like it makes people feel good. Yep, you know. So it's it's, and I think Hammer for a certain audience was probably that way. So it's cool. I think it's neat. I think it's that's why I like Friday the Thirteenth so much, the exactly. franchise, because yeah. like that is that like are they are they are exactly what you. When you walk into a Friday Thirteen movie, like you kind of know what you're going to get, but it, every time you're done with it, you like you feel fulfilled by it. You know, you feel kind of satiated by the, yes by the by the experience. So, cutest couple, ah, cutest couple. Um, you know, there's not a lot of couples in this one that you see on screen together, yeah. but I, you know, any couple that can give that can go through a blood transfusion, <laughs> where where one member of the of the um the couple is is uh, giving blood to the other. Is nice, so I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Michael Go and uh, his his wife. You know what? I'm gonna. I throw don't remember the names, of the characters, but yeah. my cutest couple. They're not a romantic couple, sure. But I like. Uh, I think if we're talking about the cutest couple of characters when they work together, I'm talking about Van Helsing and Arthur Holmwood. Oh, they they're get so to, sweet. <laughs> they are, I like their little their little buddy cop uh, chemistry that they have. I like who, their carriage ride together. Who's the class clown here? Who is funniest in this movie? Who did you oh. laugh at any certain character a bit? <laughs> I don't know that I did. I mean, like, this is not actually. This is not a very funny movie. No, it's not. Um, Christopher Lee's pretty funny. Like, yeah, uh, he's yeah, he's he's the class clown. It's it's Lee. I laughed, so I'm gonna nominate Arthur. No, like nobody's really funny. This is not a super funny movie, but I laughed really hard. <laughs> At the part where he blamed himself for not using Lucy as bait. He's like, ah, why didn't I, why didn't I done do that. it? I should have listened to you. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, most athletic. Ah, um, you know, I, I got to give this one to, to Van Helsing. Yeah. That I mean, leap I, he makes yeah. at the end to like pull down the shades. It's intense. 
Um, it's intense, and, and he's not a spring chicken in, the, in this movie. Like he's not like a young a young young man, right? Right. So yeah, no, it's impressive. It's great stuff. And I think they're chasing at the end. They both throw some uh, athleticism, and I you know I think the obvious choice might be Dracula, but you know what? He's he throws that candle, those candlesticks at him. It's a bad throw. <laughs> like it's yeah, a oh terrible. yeah, no, and he's a <laughs> Dracula kind of becomes a nerd too. Like he just kind of like. Like Van Helsing's like running across the table, not particularly fast. Yeah, and Dracula's just kind of like it. Uh, he's kind of watching him. <laughs> Do you remember those old wrestling? We just brought we brought wrestling video games earlier. I'm gonna bring it up again. The old WWF wrestling video games where they would the, like your standard the, pose was this weird yeah. like like arms bent thing. Yeah, he does that a couple times. He kind of just does that as Cushing is just murdering him. So yeah, uh, two more here. Most likely to succeed. Mm. I'm going with Van Helsing because he's mostly like a lot of the time. He, well, he does succeed, and he's like we mentioned, he's very pragmatic. He's just gonna kill Lucy too. Like he's not gonna try to save anybody. He's like if they're if they're gone, see you later. So he's my choice. Yeah, no, he's the obvious choice. Yeah, no, I I, I would agree completely. He he's he can make it happen. Life of the party. Oh. <laughs> Oh my! It's got to be Dracula, right? Or maybe, yeah, hundred percent. Maybe it's Lucy or Mina after they turn, but I think Dracula. It, is. No, it's Dracula. <laughs> Do you know the kind of crazy? I mean, have you ever like have you ever partied with a person who like comes over and you're like, oh well, that person's that person's getting laid tonight. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's Dracula. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Dracula. Yeah. No, I um. Uh, you know, my parents told a story one time of, of going to a how a party after a show my dad's band had played, and uh, they were invited to this this kind of like Halloween party or whatever, and they got there, and uh, the entire house was painted black. Yeah, like the whole the walls, the ceilings, the, and it was. Uh, needless to say, my parents left very quickly. Yeah, and I, I like to think that that's that was Christopher Lee Dracula's house, <laughs> just based on the on what I've heard of the, just the vibe. It was it was uncomfortable. <laughs> so there you go. There are superlatives. What are we, Willie? What are we doing next time? I don't know. I picked this one. Oh, so this is my choice. Technically, I picked it because I said hammer, and then I said Tim, you know more hammer. So I think this is actually your choice. All right. So. I did have an idea if you can't think of anything, but okay. it's your choice. Uh, I What is your idea? It's been a while, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of itching for like to do like a Jason movie. Like Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I, like, I, I, I just, we've had a drought of Jason content in life lately. So, and yeah. so we're going to record before. So I think what's going to our schedule is going to look like is we'll record the next one. And then I think maybe if you're down, we'll do some sort of like wrap up or maybe even like live sort of. Thing. We'll talk about some ideas to do at the convention. We may be able to do something, but I would say that the next episode we release will be. It would be like the 18th is what it would. Come right. Out. So this will be a, a standard. Uh, nothing that, that there's anything wrong with that, of course, but be a standard movie episode. And then the following one will be some sort of. Something about a horror hound. Which chasing uh, you want to do? Which chasing you want to do? Are you? Which that's chasing you the feel trick, like? right? So, what do you know? What we've done on the show? Like, I don't think we've done we've any done, specific. We've done brackets, but I don't. The only specific one, and I think we need to throw it out, is Manhattan because we did that commentary episode. For right. It. We've also done, of course, our fight the franchise back during our. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Midwest film nerds days, but we never oh, really focused yeah. on, on one particular one particular. Friday the 13th movie. So, 
I'm gonna throw Friday Friday the Thirteenth out there. I I'm gonna let you pick if you're down with that. I would prefer something in the first. Well, go, I don't necessarily have a preference. Do you want to go pre? Well, I don't want to. I'm kind of the only one, one of the later ones I'm thinking about is New Blood, but let's. I would be down for that. I'd also be down for the remake if I'm being honest. But I'd like to go older. I think. Something pre-zombie Jason. Let's throw something. Roy out too. Like we, I think yes. we we talked about Roy quite a bit. There's no. What, what more can we say? Something in the first four. Then I would say, um, let's do three. Friday the Thirteenth Part Three in 3D. Yes. Are you cool with that? Now we do know somebody who has a 3D mm. Blu-ray player. Okay. Should we hold off until we... No. Okay. We could talk to the person and see if we could borrow something, maybe. Okay. Or whatever. We'll we'll talk about it. Well, if we can make this happen... Let's plan on doing three. Let's plan on doing three. D three. Um, and if we can do it in 3D, I'd love to, Tim, because I've never seen it in 3D. True 3D. I watched... Yeah. Have I you? watched the... Uh, remember the one that came... The box set that came with the glasses? The shitty glasses. Right, the shitty right. glasses. And I, is, I remember my, my dad... Well, I was... I think I was living with my parents at the yeah. time. It was like post high school or college, whatever that came out. But anyway, I was I was living there for a little bit, and I was in the dark because I turned all of the lights off because I couldn't see anything. And he came downstairs to like go to the bathroom, and he looked at me on the couch with my dorky glasses on, and he just goes, "Oh, son, you got you got to move out." <laughs> that was the moment. He's that like, was the moment. He's like, "You got to go. I can't have you in this house anymore. Yeah. This is what's happening. This in is my too much. Living room after That's I go amazing. to sleep." So you you're good with three? Yes. Okay. Uh, three is three is one I think that is higher on your list than mine. Uh, it's not your favorite, right? But it's no. on the higher end. Lives is my favorite, but I don't want to do that one. So. No, no, I don't either. Um, okay, I'm excited. Three is a, we- a weird one for me. It's like right in the middle of the pack. So yeah, I'm excited to to rewatch. Yeah, I remember really liking the cool. theme. Excellent. All right, so. Thank you, um, horrormovieyearbook at gmail.com. Did you go over this? I can't remember. No, because I, I, we interrupted. At HM Yearbook yes. on Twitter, Horror Movie Yearbook on Facebook and Instagram, patreon.com backslash Midwest Podnet. And I think that's it. Yeah. That's it. Stay safe. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening.